What's up, Pitt fans? Welcome back to another Pitt Mailbag here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. He is Chris Carter. I'm Noah Hiles. Carter, since the last time we spoke, uh, a lot has happened in local college athletics. It started with Pitt getting some big signings again. The the most notable among them all was, uh, not signings, verbal commitments, I should say. But Cameron mm. Lindsay uh, verbally committed to Pitt on Thursday. Big time. Big time recruit for Pitt, the highest rated player in the state of Pennsylvania to commit to the Panthers, moved their class into the top 10. I believe it sits at 11 now here on Monday. It moved out of the top 10. Um, there was some other notable news uh, in the world of college athletics that took place in Pittsburgh this weekend. Um, and while we don't cover that program or team, it could potentially have an effect on the Pitt basketball program. That's where we're going to start this mailbag. Eileen wants to know, do you potentially see any players leaving the program, meaning West Virginia? I know the portal is closed, but th would this scenario create an exception? So Eileen wants to know, just to give a little bit more context, uh, West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins resigned from his position on Sunday. Uh, why did he do that? Because he was driving drunk in the city of Pittsburgh. He was pulled over and, uh, you know, it didn't go well for him. So after... Mm -hmm. You know, almost kind of losing his job earlier this spring, summer. He went and did this. He's no longer the head coach there. They're looking for a head coach now uh, for that basketball program. And because of his departure, to answer Eileen's question, uh, per NCAA rules, yes. players now have a 30-day window to transfer. And mm -hmm. certain players who are not two-time transfers, and that includes Kerr Krissa, the point guard from Arizona who transferred there, and Jesse Edwards, the center from Syracuse who transferred there. Yeah. They're both back on the market now if they want to be. My question for you, Carter, and we can kind of build off of what Eileen was saying is, uh, do, you know, she wants to say, she wants to know, do we potentially see players leaving the program? I'll let you start. Uh, I, I have to say it, there's a likelihood to it. Um, there's a, there's a big, a big part of college, college athletics and especially basketball, I think because of the closeness of the sport and how few players there are on a team in a program, those relationships are so valuable. Yeah. And Huggins, I think one of his biggest strengths was his relate were his relationships with his players. And, and something that even came out after all this happened, a lot of players were coming out and saying what he did for them. And like, you know, one player was talking about how he got his mom to, you know, be brought with him to West Virginia and when she had cancer and got her in the right hospitals. And four years later, she's cancer free. And she thanks him for that. And Bob Huggins, I mean, you and I, we we spoke to Bob Huggins, you know, you know, when when they played when they played Pitt, he's a very relatable person. He knows how to connect with people. So when you lose that guy, and you know, circumstances aside for his inappropriate radio statement and you know, dri driving, you know, being being caught with a DUI, th this is a uh, this is a situation now where if you're if if you're West Virginia you probably are in panic mode because I do think that there's a lot of players that were coming there to play for Bob Huggins, not just play for West Virginia, even though they're and not, that's not to knock the West Virginia brand. I'm just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, but, but anywhere you go, whether it's, whether it's Duke or Florida state or Pitt or Clemson, there is a name usually attached to who you're going to work for. And when that name leaves, it, it causes problems. And I think that it's a natural thing that's going to happen. It's why this rule was created. Uh, you know, in, in the NCAA rule with the transfer portal, where if there's a coach that leaves, they know that you're that you whoever comes in might not pick you to be the to be the main guy. A lot of coaches want their guys to be the guys. Kevin Stallings did the same thing. Kevin Stallings, uh, 
the other Stallings. I uh, no, I did. I did the right Kevin Stallings. Yeah. I was starting to think I was. I was calling about talking about his son, but Kevin Jay Stallings. He, we, yeah, <laughs> mixing up my Stallings in Pittsburgh. But when Kevin Stallings came, he had his guys, and he made it really hard for the guys who stuck around to find their place. And eventually, they all. I mean, they, a lot of them left right away, like Cameron Johnson. But there were a lot of guys who. You know, who, the few guys who stuck around, they were like, all right, well, we're, we're just not appreciated here. We're going to go. And that is a common thing that happens through a lot of sports. So, you know, Jeff Capel dealt with some players. In fact, uh, uh, Scotty Reynolds, who hit the shot for Villanova that beat Pitt in the Elite Eight back in 2009, he was an Oklahoma commit or an Oklahoma player who transferred when uh, Jeff Capel took over that pro- program because he was committed to the last coach. This kind of stuff happened. So if you're a West Virginia fan, this is uh, waiting on pins and needles for the, the transfers to start being announced, in my opinion. You talked about Bob Huggins' resume and brand being valuable to West Virginia. You know what's even more valuable than a brand? What's that? Money. Bob mm-hmm. Huggins was able to bring in these guys partially because True. of his brand, but also because West Virginia has a very strong NIL collective they at do. their university. They're able to get recruits and especially guys in the transfer portal because of this collective. And Bob Huggins leaving that program, it doesn't help that collective at all. I'll tell you that right no. now. I have to imagine the people who are making those donations, who are contributing the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into those collectives, are not happy. They have to be pissed that he's gone. And so him leaving means some of that money that was promised to these guys might not be around. That's probably the first thing that went through Edwards and Chris's head. Not, oh, damn, who's going to be my head coach? It's what's happening to my bag? What's, mm-hmm. what's happening to that money you said I was going to get? Yep. Is that still going to be around? Is mm-hmm. it going to be around to get me other teammates? Like, what's going to happen now? And while West Virginia is scrambling to find a new figurehead of its program, Bob Huggins was arguably the most notable and powerful person in West Virginia that's not in politics. And he might actually have more pol- or power than some of the politicians do. He was the king of that state. And now that he's gone, they're in a panic. They're trying to find someone to replace the biggest shoes that have probably ever had to be filled in the history of that university's athletic department. And while that's happening, all these other Power 5 schools that have their stuff together, that have established head coaches, that have that NIL collective money ready and waiting, saying, hey, Jesse Edwards, you want to come get 12, 10, and 7 blocks a game here? We got a bag for you. Kirk Krista, mm-hmm. we could use a point guard. Anyone else on the roster? We'll figure it out. Come on over. We can get you what you're getting over there. And, you know, maybe we got a little bit something else for you too. That's the big thing here is Huggins leaving. That is a gut. Like, that's just a shot. To that's a gut guy. punch. Yeah, it's yeah. a gut punch. Yes. And and that that they're going to have to fix a lot of things in West Virginia. It's not just going to be a basketball thing, but that's that's going to hurt their their NIL collective. And that's the one thing really that the athletic department had going for it was that they could outdo Penn or they could outdo Pitt, I think, in the NIL they collective. Could. And yeah. they probably could uh, compete with Penn State and like for all those local guys. And that's that's a big blow for numerous sports. And I think that that's what's going to lead to some of these guys leaving or decommitting, whatever you want to call it is that money not might not be around anymore. And if it's not, that's not good. Well, and and even it, if it is for this year, it right. ain't going to be coming in like it used to unless or they go out get, and get some miracle hire, which I don't see happening. Or it might get reappropriated. Because, again, 
you know, we're, when, when Kevin Stallings was, when I was talking about Kevin Stallings and, and Cable, that was simply about scholarships and just, you know, you're my right, guy. They didn't have these now, problems. Now it is about the money. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of promises that probably got made that, you know, those pro- promises are, are, are kept by the word of the people who give them. And when that person is gone, you know, the not only are the universities panicking, those players are probably panicking. They're probably thinking like, man, if someone comes up in here and changes up the whole plan, I was told that this was how this team was going to work. It's going to mess up my chance to show that I belong in the NBA. So, right. It's a lot of things like that. Yeah, there's there's. Yeah, it's. I do think you will see people leaving to answer your question, Eileen. I do. I don't think Pitt will get any of them, uh, no. but I do think that, yeah, you'll see players leaving. Hank wants to know. Have you heard anything on who has been emerging in summer workouts of the basketball newcomers? How much will they be relying on Dior Johnson this upcoming season? I'll start with this. Um, yeah, I've, I've been poking around, talking to some of my inside sources. Uh, a name that a lot of people have been talking about is Ishmael Leggett. Uh, he's, he's a guy that they say he's kind of going to have a similar game to, I think, Greg Elliott. He's going to be a shooter. Uh, and that's a big need for Pitt right now. I think when you look at the the guys that they say goodbye to, they they lose a lot of their shooting talent. While they bring back Blake Henson, just other guys who can knock down shots or even create looks, they need scores. And if if Leggett can be a guy who shoots close to forty percent from three, that's that's a huge boost. So that's been the one that I've been hearing a lot of. And the other one is um, uh, Low Jalen Low, the yeah, point guard. They, they 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 talk about you know I have heard that you know he's not very big as far as physical stature goes. He's still, you know, going to need some time in the weight room, but they can figure that out. If, if size and strength is, are the only, if if strength and like mass is your biggest weakness as a incoming freshman, then that's not a bad thing because that can come over time. But if you got a handle, if you know, if you know how to ball, essentially you're going to be all right. And I've, I've heard pretty good reviews on um, low and legged. And as far as your goes, Everything that I've heard, this guy is going to be the starting point guard at Pitt. If he's at Pitt, meaning that, you know, based on his past, he could change his mind at any time. I haven't heard any indication of him wanting to do that. I've I've, I've even seen Dior doing private workouts at the Peterson Event Center when I was there for other things this summer, uh, reporting on other stories. He seems very committed to the program, and the program, and vice versa, is very committed to him. I would be shocked if he's not the starting point guard for the first game of the season. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Dior is going to be the guy. He sat on the bench all last year. He watched everything happen. Now he's ready to – well, he didn't sit on the bench. He was watching from from the, from the sidelines. He was sitting on the bench for home games, yeah. For home games, yes. But yeah. uh, he was watching on TV for the other – but point being – He's 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 waited his turn. He went through what he went through as far as you know the 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 charges that he faced, and now it's his time to have a chance to show this was what this is what everyone's been waiting waiting to see. Uh, but I've been hearing similar things. Uh, you know, I got I got a chance to meet Leggett. Uh, you know, when he was visiting Pittsburgh, and yep. uh, you know, the people that I talked to, they feel like that. Yeah, he's going to be able to fill those some of those scoring roles. That's going to help them work their spacing, which I think is a huge part of what Pitt needs to rekindle this year. They hit so many three point at the most three pointers in the history of the program last year. You you don't just not have that and then you know be good unless you develop something else that's really strong. And uh, and I think that that's where they're going to at least try to not copy that identity. But take from that. You still got Blake Henson. If Leggett can add to your shooting and you get a couple other guys to spark up and just to be able to get out, work from the outside, it could space things out. It can make things easier for guys going to the well. And if Fede Federico and the Twins and, and Papa Conte, if those guys working on the inside, if, if one or two of them develops a real strong offensive presence, 
it could make you a, make you a balanced roster there. So I'm hearing the same, same things. Jalen Lowe, everything I continue to hear about Jalen Lowe is very impressive. Uh, he got named to the uh, the 23rd annual Jordan Brand Classic team, uh, you know, recently, and you know he's been able. He's been a guy that could, a kid that just continues to amass all the accolades that 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 you want from a four-star kid that you're bringing to your program to be the part of the part of the future there so uh, i've heard good things about low good things about Leggett, um and i'm i've heard decent things about dior too i think that they've got a lot of good things going on for them right now um and uh pit i, I think what you're going to see from some of these newcomers they're not all going to contribute right away but i think some of those veterans they brought in they're going to be solid boosts the biggest question that we don't know yet noah though isn't about what they do on the court, it's what they do off the court and how last year they just had the perfect chemistry to rebound from so much adversity at different points of the season. We don't know if this group has that yet. I agree. We move on now. And, and another thing that I wanted to mention about Leggett real quick was um the fact that he, the fact that he's their only veteran guard, you need good reports. Like that's good. The fact that he's yeah. the only guy on the roster. Um, so Central Vikes wants to know, uh, since Jaquay Jackson, wide receiver from Cal U, uh, committed to Rutgers, just wondering if the Panthers are still uh, recruiting any other players in the portal, especially receivers, whom they may have reached out to. If not, he, uh, Central Vikes is interested to know which of the young guys you th- uh, we think might step up. He's heard that uh, behind Mumfield and Reynolds and Means, uh, there seems to be some buzz around Jake McConaughey. Uh, after the spring game, Chris, that's that's been your guy that you've been talking to me about is McConaughey. You like you've been high on him uh, on his stock. Would you say that he's probably next in line behind those three? I would say that someone may have jumped the line a little bit when it comes to Jake McConaughey. You know, remember he's a walk. He was a walk on who kind of yeah. just worked his way up. He's a he's a he's a longer body, like six four, and a guy who can go up and go get a football. But there's been a certain freshman who seems to be turning heads. For Pitt, and that's Izzy Polk. They just yeah. lost Izzy Abadikanda, but Izzy mm-hmm. Polk is really stepping up. And I would not be shocked if he becomes that fourth option for Pitt's wide receivers. And and just just being able to watch practice and being able to watch him in the spring game, that kid can get in and out of his routes very smoothly for a freshman. And though that's the that's the thing that normally when I look at, I don't judge your route running too harshly because you're a freshman. You got to get used to the game. I, I usually look for, do you have speed? Do you go and get, get the football? Do you know how to, you know, hold on to football and take, take a hit? Like, do you have like some of the basic instincts that you want to ride receiver? This dude was running some of the more polished routes that I've seen out of a new kid. And I, I saw Jordan Addison when he was, when he was coming up in pit. I'm not saying he's going to be Jordan Addison or surpass Jordan Addison, but I've seen really good things out of Izzy Polk. On the note of will they go get somebody, Pitt's doors are always open. Every college program is always talking to see what's going to happen. I don't think anything will happen at this point. If you think back to Bub Means last year, they got him in April, late April. I think by this point, these rosters are set. So that's not going to happen unless, you know, Another a football coach gets hit with a DUI and he gets and he gets he resigns. Oh my and, goodness! Like I, I'm not I'm not making fun of it. I'm, I'm saying yeah, I know. I just, who, yeah. I know. Who, after if even if before the radio incident, someone told you that Bob Huggins wouldn't be coaching West Virginia basketball next year, you'd probably call him a liar. And yeah. it's or, one I would assume that, something that, horrible happened. Yeah, or, or assume something horrible happened. And these are things that nobody can predict. And when they Correct. do. You have to be able to act, and I think Pitt—they've been resourceful in a lot of different sports in taking and and, and seeing how can we reach out to players who are reacting to a, a situation and getting those guys. 
Um, and uh, I think that that could that could happen that could happen if it does happen. But I think that the roster, if you see it right now, is how it will be. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that notion, just simply because they only have one scholarship, I think, yeah. unfilled out of 75. Um, they, they, they filled a couple with linebacker, defensive or offensive line. Um, they, they picked up some transfers here and there, tight end. Uh, but they, yeah, they never really got that receiver in the portal, which tells me that, yeah, they're, and we talked about this. We've talked about Izzy Polk and Lamar Seymour and how they both seem to perform well in the spring ball. Another name I wanted to throw out in that recruiting class is, is Kenny Johnson, who is the mm. MVP of the big 33 game. He yeah. accounted for like all but 29, yard, 29 yards passing in that game or receiving, excuse me, nice. um, and scored the game winning touchdown. Just getting to see his film in that. He's going to be a little behind, obviously, as it comes to learning the playbook, but I think that, you know, any freshman coming in has an opportunity to see the field. If they have a good camp, they will be in a rotation. I don't know if we're going to see them catching touchdowns or anything, and I think that Pitt has its starting three receivers, but there's been other instances at Pitt throughout the year where we thought we had the, the, the whole starting spot lined up in that group, and then an injury happens or a transfer happens, and other guys have had to step up unexpectedly, and they end up doing well. That could be the case at receiver here. While it, everyone's assuming it's going to be Means, Mumfield, and Reynolds, you know, something could happen, and all of a sudden you see Izzy Polk or McConaughey or something else occur. Mm-hmm. And that that could also go for filling that transfer spot. Um, but to build off of all of those things, too, with on top of the freshman or a possible transfer who I, don't, I haven't heard any names or anything, um, another thing about stepping up, and we've talked about this, is they're going to have to use the tight ends more. And I think that that's a big yeah. plan as well. Yeah. So – yeah, we can move on now. Mark wants to know, what do you know about the new Pitt softball coach? Do you guys think success in spring sports is Heather Likes' next big mission here at Pitt? You want to start with this one, Chris? Um, You know, from what I know, Jenny Allard, the, the new softball coach, mm-hmm. uh, has a great reputation. She, I think uh, Harvard was the most the most winning, had the most wins of a, of a Ivy League soft, softball team yep. in the history in the history of the league. That's a great sign. She brings tradition, tweaks history. And I think part of what needs to happen with Pitt softball specifically, not that I'm, I, I watch all their games or anything, but this is a young program. This only started in what, 2017, I think it, is, is when it really, really kicked off um, as an official ACC program. And since then, they've only had one good year. 2018, they were 16 and six and they finished first in, in the coastal division. And, and that was nice. But almost every other year, no, no, not almost every other year, they had a losing record. Sometimes they were the worst team in, in the coastal division in the ACC. Um, and they need, I think they need someone to help establish a culture there. The way that Dan Fisher's established a, co- a culture at volleyball, the way that Darduzzi has established a culture with pit football, the way that, the, the way that so many that the soccer programs, uh, Jeff Capel starting to do with basketball, the way that you're starting to see these programs start to believe in themselves and have these central figures who spawn these, these really positive environments that, you could get these good, uh, you know, college athletes with solid heads on their shoulders. That's what they need for softball. I think they need someone that can be a central figure, figure like that. Uh, Jenny Aller, Coach Aller, she seems like, seems like all the resumes that she's done that in other places. Her getting a chance to do that, pit, I think, you know, is another person who can contribute a positive uh, spin on, or not, not a spin, but a positive uh, outlet or a or resource for uh pit for some of the for the softball team to kind of take the next step and maybe become a consistent contender in the acc yeah heather likes uh objective to me sounds like she's trying to bring in winners here 
She's bringing yeah. in people who are familiar with winning. He, she did that with with Tony when he when he was hired to be the women's head basketball coach. And I don't know if Heather likes ever going to make a hire that she knows more about than Jenny Allard. I mean, this is someone that she played college softball with at Michigan. Mm-hmm. They were teammates where they played under Carol Hutchins, the winningest head coach in the history of NCAA softball. So she knows the the woman's mentor. She knows what the woman is all about because they played together in college. And obviously, you know, I think Allard graduated in 90, like early 90s, maybe. She took over the Harvard program in 1995. She hasn't had a losing season there since 2015. She's got the most wins in Ivy League history. She's got 688 career wins. I mean, this, this lady knows what it takes to have a winning program here. So I think that, yeah, this, this seems like a good hire for many reasons, being that, you know, Heather has a pretty good understanding of this person. There's no uh, misunderstanding or maybe fabricating of a resume when you don't really know someone and they can kind of just fake it through an interview or two. I mean, Heather's known this woman for more than half of her life. So I think that she's pretty pumped to get this person on her payroll. And I, 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 I think this is one of the better hires Heather like has made in her tenure just recently, I should say not in her tenure, uh, but just recently out of all the openings, this is a pretty big hire. I think, um, that just from my perspective, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, ACC softball is no joke. And when, when you're down low, it's really hard to get to the top, but we'll see what happens. Final question. I really like this one. Anthony wants to know if you had to pick the captains for this year's pit football team, who would you pick and why? Mm. I'm going to go with mine real quick. Um, go ahead. On offense, you got to have the quarterback. It is of what course. it is. Phil Dracovic is my captain. And my other offensive captain is Jake Cradle. Guy who's been starting on the picks, offensive man. line. Yeah, I mean, there's, these are two <laughs> no-brainers. It, yeah, it, they it's are just no-brainers. kind of like just knowing the team, knowing the locker room. I don't know who else it would be. Uh, maybe another offensive lineman, maybe someone like Zabovic or or Gonclaves or someone like that. Maybe Gavin Bartholomew is an outside chance, or Bub Means, I know, is a low uh, vocal leader. But those are my two right there on the offensive end. I think it's it's head and shoulders above the rest. Defense, you could go a lot of different ways. I'm going to go with an experienced guy up front, and there are probably guys that are going to be better players than him. But if I'm looking for like someone who is kind of like a Deslin Alexander, where maybe mm. good player, but probably like even better for the team chemistry and in the locker room, I'm going to go with David Green as yeah. my first captain on defense. And then for any defense, similar to quarterback, I need my quarterback of the defense to be a captain. I'm going with the best linebacker on the roster as far as I think knowing the game and calling the defense, and that's Shane Simon. So those are my four uh, captains, Jake Cradle, Phil Dracovic, David Green, Shane Simon. Carter, did I just pick all four of yours, or do you have maybe one or two different ones? Offensively, I feel like those are the no-brainers. I mean, yeah. Phil's the quarterback. He run, he runs at this offense is going to be based on. They need him to be the leader. You don't make the non-lead. You don't make the leader the non-captain. So he's he's definitely that. And Jake Cradle has just been a, a pillar in the offensive line room for the past several years, whether he was a backup or he emerged as a starter uh, who, who floated around between either guard position and center. Um, uh, so both of those guys, good locker room guys, good guys that a lot of people like on the team. They're gonna they're gonna be good captains and good players too. Like they're going to yeah. they're gonna have a solid impact. Defense is where I agree with you about David Green. David Green, I think, is a person that a lot of this team relates to. He's been around forever. He's a he's a Pittsburgher. He went to Central Catholic. There's a lot of things that I think that resonate with him very well with a lot of what they do. He understands like. Coach Partridge, when he talks to him, he doesn't have to tell much to David Green. He knows what he's supposed to do. He's not 
the best. He's not the most talented player on the uh, in the defensive front. You know, Dayon Hayes, uh, Nikai Johnson, even like Sean Fitzsimmons, uh, and maybe even Isaiah Neal in, in, coming up behind him are all maybe have better you know, ceilings as far ceilings, as what yeah. they could, what, what they could get to. But for David Green, that man is the definition of solid. And I think that you're right. Desmond Alexander is a great c- a comparison, not just because Desmond did raise money for Haiti and now David Green's raising money for the local boys and girls club, yeah. but because they're both calm presences in, in, the, in the locker room who can also be tough and tenacious on the field and set the tone for your defense. So I like David Green there. Shane Simon is a natural pick. And I, you know, inside linebackers, communicators, very important. But man, I have a hard time passing up on the swagger of the defense in MJ Devonshire and Marquez Williams. And I could yep. go either one of those, man, because like MJ, I'm sorry, that pick six is still one of the biggest plays that pit, like the, it's the fake side in the pick six as far as two, maybe the two biggest pit plays that you can think of over the past. 10 years? Yeah, like, something I'm, like I'm, that. I'm, I'm, like, You're going like, all the way back to, like, Shady McCoy, you know, 13-9 right. right. era type th- stuff. So, yeah. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, this – like, he's part of it. And it wasn't just that play. Those guys make great interceptions, and their demeanor, the way that they carry themselves, the swagger of – you may have just scored a touchdown on us because we gave up a big play, but guess what? We're picking off your next pass. And mm-hmm. which, which was the team they had, like, three straight pick sixes? Was that Duke or – Trying to remember who that was uh, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. That's first right. Two, first two plays of the game. I had my game was, story written by the end of the first quarter. It was brilliant. It, it was, <laughs> it was you, awesome. You loved that game. <laughs> yes. Um, but but I think those are two guys who they embody that way of thinking. And when yeah. we talk to the pit coaches, they want aggression. They don't want guys who are going to play it safe. They want live on the island, die on the island. But you won't live on it a lot more than you die on it. And when you do. We're going to thrive. And that's where I think that they're going to go get. That's why I say MJ or Marquez as a defensive captain. They both came up in my mind, too. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I think, that, I mean, Quez, I think, is the oldest guy on the team, him or him or Green. So it would make a lot of sense. And, and Devonshire, I think, could possibly end up being their best overall talent if all goes according to plan. You know, I think he might have the highest ceiling out of anyone on that defense. Um, not to, and that's nothing against Quez. I mean, I don't think he's very hard, far behind either. Um, my thing is, you just don't see a lot of corners as captains at any level. That's a good point. Football. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, like, you could point to, like, I know DeMar was a captain, I think, but he was a safety, you know? And, like, safety's safety. different because you're kind of like the quarterback of the defense, especially its defense. I agree. Right. Where that – and the other thing is, you know, I like what – what Quez and, and MJ can be as far as trash talkers and <laughs> villains, getting in the, I agree. Yeah, and villains <laughs> and agitators. And I don't know if you want that to be a captain. And no, granted, Voss talked his talk more than a few times mm-hmm. during his stint at Pitt. But I think he knows the line a little bit more than Quez or MJ. Right. And I'm not even someone who's like, hey, look, if they get you a couple personal fouls this year for, for talking smack, you, you live with it because that's the mentality they need to have. You, you need that big a little that. bit when you play corner. That's okay. I'll take one or two of those a year. But I feel like as a captain, you can't do that. And that might be a thing where it's kind of like, hey, you are the vocal presence of this team. Someone like a John Morgan last year where he wasn't a captain, but he was getting the boys fired up before every game. You know, he, he had that vocal presence and you don't necessarily need to have that C on your chest to be a leader and lead by example or even lead by word. And I think that both of those guys will do that. I just think that 
um, if you make them a figurehead, they might not be able to be who they naturally are on the field as far as trash talkers and and just like the corners kind of need to be have a little bit of an individualistic uh, mentality. And when you're a captain, I don't know if you can have that. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be dead wrong here, but that's that's where I'm at with that. I hear you. No, I, I hear you on that. And also because even outside the corner part, because like you could still be a corner and still be a lead. Like Patrick Peterson is, is correct. Is, is yeah. The, yeah. Oh, for sure. Leader, right. Be a leader, but I'm just saying right. like, but with the way I don't that know they, if I no, want I, him deciding or like, I don't know if I want a corner or like a guy like that. Who's just so, so focused on like one task, like lock this guy down, lock this guy down. Mm. Like I, I want that to just be like, I, you do you, man. Like on Saturdays, right. I want you just focused on that thing. And like, no, I, I don't want to have to worry about coin tosses and talking to refs and all that stuff. And also, I'd say on your point about you know the trash talking and things like that, you know, Joey Porter was 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 a leader for the Steelers, sure. but there were sometimes Joey Porter went over the top, and you were like, Joey, we needed you today, and like he fought a Browns yeah. player before a game, yeah. and like mm-hmm. like st- stuff like that. You don't necessarily because you don't want your whole team to do that. You want certain people who fit that profile to do yes. that. And I hear you on that because. And again, this isn't to say MJ and Marquez aren't already leaders because they are leaders, and they're also very good people. Like when we say they're villains, this is good. purely how they antagonize without question, just, right? Like, like they mm-hmm. are they are great people to talk to. But when when uh, when you're doing that's part of your role, that's kind of like you know that that's that is that is a specific role that that isn't necessarily about being Captain America for the team. You're more like uh, I guess Iron Man. If I was making it, if I was falling through yeah. with it. Or that, Thor uh, or somebody, Hulk, yeah. you know, like something Hulk, uh, yeah. like that. Hulk, yeah. yeah, Hulk. You get to Hulk out on people. Go like, smash. You say yeah. Hulk smash, and then you go do that, right? So, I, And I, then, I like Hulk, that. when he's not Hulked out, he's, he's a genius. A he's, you know, yeah. he's, yeah. And, like, <laughs> those guys can be that. They can be wise leaders in the locker room. But on Saturday, I need you to be Hulk, man. I, I don't yeah. need you to be buttoned I agree up. With that. I, I need you to be you. And, and by making you a captain when you have to worry about holding someone else back from talking that talk and, and walking that line. I don't know if I want that. So like that, that's where I'm at with those. But although I will say if, if, if either of them end up as captains, I think it's a great choice too. Like they're, they're Pitt's got they're probably like six guys on the defensive side of the ball who I think they're all worthy captains. So no offense if, if to, to MJ Arquez, I want to say that I want to make that clear. I just think they have a great spot on the team for what it is. And I think that that might actually provide more value than a C on their chest, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. What the hell do I know? I don't play for pit. So Chris, any final thoughts as we wrap this one up? Uh, just a happy belated father's day to all the fathers out there. Shout out to Leonard and Dana, our dads. Uh, they've been yes, very sir. supportive through both of our careers and uh, shout out to all the great dads out there. If you're a pit fan, or if you're just someone who listens to these shows, we appreciate you. And, and I'm sure that your children appreciate you for being in their lives. Just like our dads were in R and R's. Absolutely. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and keep tuning in. We'll have all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you liked the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you enjoyed it on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down in the description.